Have you ever wondered what Revelation 1.8 means? When it says, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? Today, I want to present to you the burden of proof that shows us Calvary in every book of the Bible. In a personal prophetic sense, beloved, the book of Exodus is the revelation of God's plan of salvation revealed and hidden in the blood-bought messianic mysteries of Calvary's cross. Beloved, I want you to see today how the blood-bought blessings of Calvary are going to deliver you and bring you out of your spiritual Egypt from and bring you from deliverance to destiny. The book of Exodus presents the preponderance of evidence that without a doubt, without a reasonable doubt, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I invite you to be drawn in to this place of destiny, to see the messianic mysteries of Calvary's cross. Remember, beloved, atonement unconcealed is Calvary revealed. Now, let's go to the messianic mysteries hidden in the book of Exodus. And today, my prayer for you is that the bondages would break, that the borders would break, that you would come out of your spiritual Egypt through the blood of the Lamb. Let's go to the Word of God. The book of Exodus presents the preponderance of evidence that without a reasonable doubt, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Scripture presents the burden of proof that Jesus is the true Passover lamb slain before the foundation of the world throughout the book of Exodus. You see, beloved people, let me explain why a burden of proof is necessary from the very beginning. The holder of the burden of proof is scripture, and it is heaven, heaven that makes a claim that Calvary covers it all. And from the very beginning, that whatever man needs for salvation and redemption has been paid by the price of the cross of Calvary. The claim that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, and he is the true Passover Lamb, is substantiated by testimonial evidence, which I call the testimonial evidence, the evidence found in the Word of God. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word of God be established. The testimonial evidence that will be presented in the Word of God is evidence that is consistent. It is not conflicting. This means that the evidence, the testimonial evidence that's being presented to establish the burden of proof, that Calvary covers it all, and that the blood of Jesus heals, it delivers, it sets free, it cleanses, it is 
Abel, that blood, not only paid the price for your salvation and washed you clean, gave you eternal life, but that blood also, beloved, brought a transformation for the destination of your destiny. And God is now putting the claim in through scripture. And so when we say testimonial evidence, we mean that the Bible is so reliable. The word of God is so consistent that there are no conflicting testimonies. Sometimes when one goes to a court of law and presents the testimonial evidence, the the objection will arise over conflicting testimonies. But I want you to know that from the very beginning of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the evidence is presented and there's only one match that fills the evidence that's been presented. And that match to the evidence is Jesus Christ, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This is why the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word of God be established. So we see the establishment of the claim that heaven has upon, uh, has been given upon us that Calvary cleanses, Calvary heals, Calvary delivers, Calvary breaks bondages, Calvary pulls us up out of the pit, Calvary places us in our predestined place and position, Calvary covers it all. But we also see that the Bible presents for us not only testimonial evidence presented in the scripture that is consistent all throughout the scripture, the testimonial evidence that is infallible and that agrees one with another. But we also see that there is physical evidence also presented in heaven's claim. And what is the physical evidence that heaven is using to place the claim to establish the burden of proof. The preponderance of evidence is based not only on testimonial evidence, but the preponderance of evidence also is displayed through the physical evidence in the form of blood evidence. Some of you may say, Dr. Corral, what in the world are you talking about? Blood evidence? Yes, beloved, blood evidence. I want you to know that in every book of the Bible, we see trails of blood evidence in the form of symbols, in the form of similitudes, in the form of patterns and types and shadows. Every place we see atonement, it matches with Calvary. We say only one person can fit this match. Only one person can fit the match of the symbols and the patterns of evidence that are presented in the scriptures. And that is Jesus Christ. Today, I want to show you an example of blood evidence that has been presented in the word of God and what the blood evidence that is presented, what it means 
and how Calvary's cross can deliver you from the pain of your past and deliver you and sever soul ties that have brought you into bondage and brought you under the spirit of oppression and depression because God wants to break every spirit off of your life, every control, every manipulation, every domination from every spirit, every spirit and every Pharaoh-like control over your life. Let's open our Bible today to the book of Exodus. And we are going to begin today with the book of Exodus that is going to begin with Exodus chapter 15. Now, I love Exodus 15 because Exodus 15 belongs to a portion of scripture called in Hebrew, Parsha Bashalik. Parsha Bashalik deals with deliverance. Parsha Bashalik in a personal prophetic sense of scripture is the title of the portion of the reading of God's word that is an overall description of Exodus 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Five chapters in the book of Exodus that are centralized through a theme. And that theme is the theme to come out, the theme to break out of bondage, and the theme to let go. What does that mean? When Pharaoh let the people go. And I want you to see that it's not just to be interpreted in a historic sense of scripture, because we don't read the Bible like a newspaper. We don't read the Bible like an encyclopedia just to gather information so we know it happened. We must look for personal, powerful, prophetic, and relevant titles and junctures in the scripture because every single word in the Bible is relevant. There is not a word in God's word that does not have personal, powerful, prophetic instruction for you in your life today. So let us look, beloved saints, at Exodus chapter 15 and understanding this overall theme of deliverance. We are going to see that Exodus chapters 13 through 17 deal with the core cause of sorrow. That Exodus chapters 13 through 17, which we call in Hebrew, Parsha Bashalik, it deals with the essence of uh, uh, allowing God to deliver you from Egypt that is within. You see, let me share with you this principle, and I believe this will help you and give you background before we share the messianic mysteries of the blood-bought blessings of Calvary's cross revealed to us in Exodus 15, verses 22 through 26. This is the first place God made a healing covenant in the entire Bible, and we must see, uh, we must see here, uh, God's revelation in this word. And we must see here, atonement unconcealed is always showing us Calvary revealed. But before we do that, I want to, in a literal sense of scripture, explain to you some concepts that I believe will help you interpret the word of God. 
The first concept is the concept of Egypt. Remember, during Passover, we are celebrating the deliverance of the B'nai Israel, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And we are also celebrating deliverance from Mitzrayim. Now, I want you to understand that Mitzrayim is the actual Hebrew word for Egypt. But in a Hebrew sense of scripture, when we are studying concepts, coming out of Egypt is not necessarily the same thing as coming out of Mitzrayim, even though Mitzrayim is the interpretation from English to Hebrew for the word Egypt. You say, Dr. Corral, I'm a little confused. If that is the translation, if you translate Egypt and the translation in Hebrew is Mitzrayim, isn't it the same thing if you come out of Egypt, you're coming out of Mitzrayim? And the answer is not exactly. You see, Mitzrayim is not relegated just to a country in Northern Africa called Egypt. Mitzrayim means a narrow place. Mitzrayim means restrictions. It can also mean a tight control. I want to ask you right now, are there situations in your life, are you going through some trials where there is tight control, tight control over your finances, tight control over your emotions, tight control? By that, I mean, you say, what do you mean, Dr. Crowell, when you say tight control over your emotions? I mean, is there a situation that just keeps repeating itself in your life. You can't even breathe. You can't be happy. You can't go out. You can't be the person that God created you to be because there's tight control. There is something in your life that's manipulating and dominating your emotions and manipulating and dominating your thoughts. And therefore, it has put you in a prison. For some of us, that prison is an emotional prison. For others of us, that prison is a prison of anxiety. It's a prison of guilt. It can be a prison that is not necessarily a material prison. So that every year when we come out of Egypt, we're not just coming out of physical Egypt, but we are coming out of Mitzrayim. So we must understand the concept here is that you can come out of physical Egypt, but coming out of Mitzrayim means Egypt must come out of you. So what does it mean when the scripture says, Egypt must come out of us? Let's look at the scriptures and let's see the word of God. And when we see this incredible deliverance of Egypt coming out of the children of Israel. Now I want you to understand in Exodus chapter 15 verses 22 through 26, the children of Israel have already come out of Egypt. But Mitzrayim has not yet come out of them. So in order for the deliverance of every Egypt-like soul control, we need to understand that there must be a sign of blood evidence there. You say, Dr. Corral, what are you talking about? A sign of blood evidence. You see, beloved saints, we must see a Calvary connection. You see, Calvary, as we know, 
began at a certain time. It began 2,000 plus years ago on a hill called Mount Calvary. And we know that it took place during Passover. But what we need to see, beloved saints, is that because Jesus Christ is the the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, God has placed signs, signs that in Hebrew are called ot. And ot or otot, meaning multiple signs, are what God places during the feasts. And when we see these signs, we see evidence because the word ot in Hebrew means a sign, it means a mark, it means evidence, it means to point to a future event, it means a memorial. And this is exactly what Passover is about. God has mandated marks all along the way from one point of deliverance to the next point of deliverance to the next point of deliverance to the next point of deliverance. The Bible is actually marking steps. Notice if we go to Exodus chapter 12, verse verse 37, the Bible tells us that the children of Israel left Mitzrayim The Bible says, let me read it for you so you understand what I mean from one point to the next point. The Bible says, and the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot. What does that mean? That they journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot. We see all throughout the Exodus narrative and especially especially through the Numbers narrative, we are going to see the children of Israel going from one point to another and they are marked by the prophetic titles that Moses gives them in the scripture. Notice how Moses gives each place that the children of Israel journeyed in the wanderings of their wilderness a name. Every one of these names are not just so we know welcome to the city of Mara or welcome to the city of Rephidim. That is not what they're there for. We must understand that these names were given prophetically to Moses to describe the cities, to either describe the destination to their destiny, or also to describe a condition of captivity that the children of Israel were actually fighting at that particular time in their deliverance. We also see that these are chronological places that the children of Israel arrived at while they were wandering in the wilderness or when they immediately left Egypt. The Bible is very careful to document each one of these places and how many days it took to journey to each one of these places. This is not written so we know that Israel followed a certain biblical roadmap. That's all great. That's all wonderful. It's great to know the biblical roadmap and map and be a spiritual computer. But that's not what this is about. All right. God has mapped out these places so that you and I will know the deeply prophetic experiences that the children of Israel had in each place, but in each marked location where the children of Israel are going to another level, we will see a sign of salvation hidden 
in the revelation of God's word, we will see a sign that is a Calvary connection. We will see very clearly atonement unconcealed is Calvary revealed. And we will see that these particular junctures in the scripture are marked by Calvary connections to show us that what you're reading that what you are observing is going to show us the blood-bought mysteries of Calvary's cross. Let's begin here in Exodus chapter 15. And let's begin, beloved saints, at verse 22. The Bible says, So Moses brought the children of Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now, I want you to understand what the Bible is talking about here. First of all, we need to see that this occurs immediately after the Red Sea experience. So they have already been baptized unto Moses and baptized uh, through the water and the cloud as 1 Corinthians chapter 10 teaches us so astutely by Paul. Paul is telling us that these things were written for our admonition and for our example so that we might learn from this history because this is prophetic history. This is not just written so we know it happened. So even history can teach us. History has hidden within it prophetic principles, but also it points the way it navigates. It serves as a navigation tool, as a compass to lead us to the place of our destiny. So here we see the Bible says, so Moses brought the children of Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of the place was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses and said, what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the bitter waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance. And there he proved them and said, if you diligently will hearken to the voice of the Lord, your God, and will do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, will I bring upon thee? For I am the Lord that healeth thee. You, you might say, Dr. Corral, that was four long verses of scripture. And why did you read us four long verses of scripture? Well, first of all, I want you to see that hidden within the scripture is a messianic mystery and shows us atonement unconcealed and Calvary revealed. First of all, I want you to see that the Bible goes out of its way to tell us that when they left the Red Sea, they went three days journey. Can you say this with me? Three days journey. I want you to understand the spiritual significance of the three days. The three days are a prophetic parallel of the perfection of resurrection. We need to see the Bible tells us that Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so must the son of man be three days and three nights in the earth. Three days 
is a prophetic parallel of the resurrection. The Bible tells us that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be rejected of the elders, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, and rise again on the third day. So I want you to see that the spiritual significance that Moses is teaching us is that the children of Israel journeyed from the Red Sea and came to the wilderness of Shur on the third day, three days of journeying. Now you might say, okay, Dr. Crowell, that sounds great. We have a prophetic prefiguring, a spiritual similitude of the resurrection, but does that really prove a Calvary connection? And the answer is, let us continue in the context and we will see that atonement unconcealed is Calvary revealed. I want you to move on in the text. Now we have seen that the children of Israel have come to Mara. He named the place Mara because Mara means bitter and it always refers to the bitterness of tears, the trials, the tribulations. But we see here in a clear, concise sense of scripture that the scripture is teaching us that they came to the water, they were bitter, they could not drink, and they people complained against Moses. And Moses cried to the Lord. And the Bible says the Lord showed him a tree. Now I want you to understand the word tree is the word eights. And I want you to understand that tree is spiritually synonymous with the word with the word cross, because you and I must see in the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, was slain on the tree. Galatians chapter chapter three, Galatians chapter three is very powerful. Galatians chapter three, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. We also see in the book of Acts, the fifth chapter, the Bible tells us, Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. So you see, hanging on a tree or a tree is spiritually synonymous all throughout the scriptures as a spiritual cinema synonym of the cross of Calvary. So now we see the cross and we see the third day. Can you say this with me? The third day, the perfection of resurrection and also the cross, the cross, which shows us here through the tree. Moses cried and God showed him a tree. Why is God going to show him a tree? What is the spiritual significance of showing Moses the two elements of Calvary, the cross and the resurrection? Why did Moses have to see these two spiritual uh, similitudes that prophetically parallel the work of Calvary? Because here in this juncture, we are going to see the presentation of the first, the first Brit or covenant God is going to make with Israel concerning healing. And I want you to know that we cannot receive, receive healing outside the cross of Calvary. The cross of Calvary must be present. That's why the Bible says by his stripes, we were healed. And I want you to see that there is a prophetic prefiguring of the work of the cross because of the cross. We have received the return of our loss. And the Bible is showing us here, beloved saints, 
that when Moses cried, God showed him a tree. So the tree represents the remedy after the ruin. The tree here shows us the cross of Calvary. Now, in order for you and I to understand the deliverance dynamic that is shown here and what the blood of Jesus does for you and me, and we see it revealed in this Calvary connection, we are going to see depths of deliverance that the scripture wants to show us on how God wants to deliver each and every one of us from our inward Mitzrayim. You may not realize this, but I want you to know that there are aspects of Mitzrayim within all of us that need to be broken. And the only way that we can come out of spiritual Mitzrayim, out of control, out of manipulation, out of the enemy's domination in our lives is through the blood of Jesus. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So beloved, let us look at this one last scripture that I'm going to share with you today concerning the cross of Calvary. And it's going to be a stepping stone for you to be able to receive your breakthrough and deliverance. The Bible tells us when they came to Mara, they could not drink. Now, the Bible says, for they were bitter. When they came to the waters of Mara, they could not drink, for they were bitter. Now, I want you to understand, obviously, the scripture here is speaking to us about the waters of Mara being bitter. And if we have studied the scriptures, we understand from the book of Ezekiel in the 20th chapter that the water came by spiritual means, that when the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness and walking with God closely, that the water automatically will gush out of the rock. When God tells Moses to strike the rock or speak to the rock, we know that water gushes out of the rock. There is no problem. They don't even have a problem with being hungry, even before the manna came. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 16, verse one, that in the second month, on the 15th day of the month, they're going to ask God for food to eat. And the question arises, as we see the 16th day of the second month, they've already been wandering in the wilderness for an entire month. So the question arises, what were they eating? And we need to know, beloved saints, that when they were walking with God, God was furnishing them liberally with much food, with the miraculous multiplication of the unleavened bread that they took out of Egypt. And then later after that bread ran out, that God was going to supply their source with every day with manna that fell from heaven. So the question arises as we look at the scripture, what does it mean when spiritual, we got to come out of spiritual Mitzrayim? Spiritual Mitzrayim has to come out of our soul. We have to get delivered in order to get to our destiny. And that's what Exodus 15 is all about. The Bible says that they came to the waters and they were could not drink for they were bitter. Can you say this with me? They were bitter. So they were bitter is not necessarily only the waters, but they were bitter is the overall description of the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, their enslavement in Israel is defined by the word bitter. This word bitter is a primary principle of what is focused upon in the Passover meal. We see that in the Passover 
Passover meal, when the herbs are partaken of, when the children of Israel ate of the maror, and when they ate of the maror or also took of the vegetables, they had to dip the vegetables in salt water, meaning they had to come in touch with their tears, the tears of Egypt. So what kind of bitterness is this? This is not the kind of bitterness that's sin. This is not resentment. This is not bitterness that means to hold a grudge. This is another type of bitterness. This is the bitterness that is referred to in Exodus chapter 1 verse 13 that the Bible uses to validate and evaluate the pain of the children of Israel when the Bible says, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor and everything made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Let's look at the text. Verse 13 says, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor and they did make their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar, in brick, in all manner of service in the field wherein they were made to serve was with rigor. What does this mean? Notice the Bible is telling us that the overall description of their enslavement in Egypt is categorized. It is demonstrated and evaluated through this word bitter. So when the Bible tells us they were bitter, not just the waters of Marah, that they were bitter. But the Bible is telling us the B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, were bitter, not in the sense of sin, to hold a grudge, to hold evil in their heart and unforgiveness. But this literally means that they were stuck in Egypt, that their emotions were still tied to the flesh pots of Egypt, that their emotions were now in a very vulnerable place and that all of their connection to the, their past was still present. So the Bible is showing us that Exodus 15, 22 through 26 shows us the core cause of their pain and their secret sorrows when the Bible uses this word bitter. The only way we can actually understand the deliverance that is going to take place because there God showed Moses a tree and the tree became the remedy. As soon as Moses cast the tree into the water, the bitter waters were made streets, a sweet. And there it was at that very place that God made a covenant with Moses and he concluded the covenant with the words, I am the Lord that healeth thee. So the healing was not about the waters. We don't read, I am the Lord who heals your waters. That is not what this says. The Bible says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. So the question arises, at the beginning of the narrative, we weren't even dealing with physical diseases. That physical diseases did not come up until the Brit, the covenant was established. So why is God saying, I am the Lord that healeth thee? Because the Bible is showing us that the children of Israel were bitter and that the bitterness that is spoken of here is relegated to the enslavement. It's as if the children of Israel are in spiritual post-traumatic syndrome. And I want you to understand that the God that we serve is validating this issue right here. We don't serve a God that says, shove it down, stuff it, don't deal with your stuff. We don't serve a God that says, just get over it. We are seeing God's compassion, God's mercy that shows us the scriptures, as the scripture is being revealed to us right here, the core cause of their pain articulated by the fact that they were bitter. 
And we also need to see, child of God, that the Bible is using not only this word bitter here and going back to Exodus 1.13 so that we have a clear, concise, uh, proper interpretation of what bitter means, but we also see another person who represents being healed of what was bitter in their life. And that is Naomi. When Naomi, hundreds of years later, came to the Holy Land, she said to the people of Bethlehem, do not call me Naomi, call me, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. And I want you to see what happened to Naomi because Naomi became an example of what God does with those who have soulish syndromes, for those that are stuck in the pain of the past, for those that are going through spiritual post-traumatic syndrome. Those of you who are getting over a very traumatic experience, God has a word for you. It's a breakthrough word. It's a word of deliverance that what God did for Naomi, God is going to do for you. The Bible tells us at the end of the book of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 4, verse 15, he is a restorer of your life and a nourisher of your old age. You see, he's the God of the breakthrough. He's going to turn everything around. Everything that you thought was going to be used toward toward the pain of our past. God says, I'm going to use it so mightily. The pain of your past is going to be used for my glory. The pain of your past is likened unto the jewels of silver and the jewels of gold that the children of Israel brought out of Egypt. This is the spoil for your toil. God wants you to know that you are going up to the next place, the next dimension of destiny. Amen and amen. Now, beloved saints, today, if you have heard this podcast, I want to invite you to sow seed into the ministry of Breath of the Spirit Ministries. You can do that, beloved saints, by going to our website. And our website is very easy to find. You can find our website by going to breathofthespirit.org and you can click on the donate button or you can also go to mydayofdestiny.com and go and see the tremendous miracles that God is going to bring to you as you go through deliverance with us, day by day deliverance, as we surrender our stuff to God daily, as we just give him uh, the the pain and don't hold on to it. And we see these incredible supernatural steps into breakthrough revealed to us throughout the book of Exodus. And we see the Bible teaching us that every place we see, the core cause of our pain and a brick, a covenant being made, we see blood evidence revealed. Blood evidence revealed is Calvary concealed. God bless you, beloved saints. Don't forget to go to our website and sow a seed today at breathofthespirit.org or today go to mydayofdestiny.com 
and onmydayofdestiny.com, you will receive uh, a way to order my newest book, Secrets of the Anointing and Other Projects. Plus, you can download all of the My Day of Destiny podcasts. Love you. See you then. And we'll see you real soon.